Welcome to God's Truth, Come Follow Me edition. This is Dr. D. Todd Harrison. Uh, we're looking today once again at the book of Psalms and what great spiritual treasures are found here in this book. I know some of you are still recovering from the book of Esther, but here's a second great, well, we, since then we've had Job, we've had Psalms, the, the part one, now we're in part two of the great book of the Psalms, we're learning great truth and great inspiration and revelation and these, to, from these writers in the book of Psalms. We see that they continue to bear testimony of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And of that same Lord and Jesus Christ, I testify as one of his witnesses that he lives today. He died for the sins of mankind. He atoned. He made the atonement possible. He is our Lord, our God, our King, our Redeemer. He sits at the right hand of the Father and heavenly majesty, heavenly glory, heavenly splendor. The angels sit around his throne praising the Father and the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Of him I bear witness to you this day. We are looking today at Psalms and there'll be more sections here involved here. So if you didn't have a chance last week, it'd be great to look at that lesson too, but you don't have to look at that first. Look at this one, then go ahead, look at that. Uh, great truth in all these uh, chapters here. Uh, let's look. We're going to begin in Psalms 49. Uh, Psalm 49, and we'll look at verse 6 through 9. 49, 6 through 9. So it's talking about the uh, uh, rich people, and uh, they condemned the rich. We saw that last week, too. Now, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them by any means can redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it seetheth forever. doesn't matter if someone is a millionaire, a billionaire, if, if they're, uh, you know, the richest man in the world, if they're, uh, uh, you know, Jeff Bezos who owns Amazon, if they're uh, uh, Bill Gates who owns Microsoft, uh, any rich people in your countries, you know, whoever the richest person is in all your countries that, that are watching you here tonight, doesn't matter. They can buy nice mansions. They can buy their private airplanes. They can buy nice cars. They can buy the finest uh, jewelry. They can buy the nicest clothes. They can buy pretty much whatever they want here in the earth. But watch that, right? That uh, none of them by any means can redeem their own brother. They cannot read. If their brother's destined to hell, they cannot redeem. No matter how much money they have, they cannot redeem their own brother from hell. And so we see how it's a folly. It's it's a foolish to trust in the arm of riches. You know, we need to trust in the riches of our heavenly kingdom to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, as Jesus Christ taught and declared over and over again. Let's look at 10 through 11. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish, and leave their wealth to others. Yeah, they can't even take their wealth with them. Whether, you know, you have a lot, whether you have, uh, you know, so-so amount, or whether you have little, you can't take your riches with you when you die. You know, you can't take them with you. And so you're going to leave them to other people. Their inward thought is, that their houses shall continue forever. Yeah, they feel that, you know, they're going to live forever. They feel their houses are going to live forever. It says, and their dwelling places to all generations, they call their lands after their own name. 13. 
that this this their way is their folly yet their posterity approved their sayings 14 through 20 they're like sheep that are laid in the grave they die just like the animals die they can't prevent themselves from dying regardless of how much wealth and riches they have death shall feed on them and the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning and their beauty that they can purchase they can have a surgery and to fix their nose their you know lips whatever their ears whatever needs to be fixed they have all the money they can fix themselves their wives their woman the woman that are rich can buy themselves the nicest makeup that's ever been created right make themselves beautiful but it says here that uh, uh over them in the morning and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling but god will redeem my soul the writer of psalm says from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Be not thou afraid when one is made rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dieth, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lived, he blessed his soul. Yeah, he had a nice life. Jesus says in the New Testament to those rich people in the day of judgment, he says, you had your reward. Depart from me. <laughs> You're not coming into heaven. <laughs> Depart from me. You had your reward. You already had your reward. I'm giving my kingdom now, the, my kingdom of riches and the mansions of heaven to the poor, to the poor in spirit, those who humbled and thirsted after righteousness, those who did not lift themselves up in their pride of their hearts, thinking that because they were successful, materially speaking, on the earth, that somehow there's something great. They shall be cast out. Uh, from the from the heavens, they had their reward as Jesus Christ declared. He says here, uh, and men will praise thee. When, you know, when they're alive, people will praise them, right? And when thou doest well to thyself, he shall go to the generation of his fathers. He will die just like his fathers did. They shall never see the light. It's hard for them, you know. Jesus said, you know, it would be easier to go through the eye of the, you know, the camel. It would be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter heaven because they get caught up in their riches. They feel they don't need God in their lives, so they don't seek after God, and they don't invite him into their lives, and therefore he doesn't invite him into heaven. That's a very clear, simple uh, uh, thing here. They shall never see the light of God. They shall never see the light of the gospel. Man that is an honor and understandeth not is like the beast that perish. They're going to die just like any of the animals. Wow, powerful the chapter for uh, Psalm 49, huh? Okay, let's go to 50, and we'll look at 3 through 7 here. Our God shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire, and of course the UFOlogists, right? All the UFO people, they love these kinds of verses, right? When Jesus is coming back, you know, a fire shall be devoured before him, and it shall be very tempestuous round about him. You know, loud noise, you know, whatever vehicle, whatever this vehicle is that he's always coming down. We've seen this several times already in the scriptures. We see it all the way through uh, the scriptures. You know, whatever this you know, unidentified flying object thing is, you know, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's talking about how this is like a fire devouring in front of him, very temptuous uh, and all these sort of things here. He's coming back and 
power and majesty and all hell the king of heaven and earth. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am God, even thy God. Face the facts face the reality people on earth some declare that maybe they you know try to pretend and try to declare they don't believe in god doesn't matter whether you believe in god god is real god is alive god is coming back god will judge you doesn't matter whether you what you believe <laughs> that's nothing to do your belief does not have to do with reality reality he's coming back you will face the king face to face as your judge Okay, let's continue now. That was three through seven there. And now uh, we'll look at uh, 13 through 23. Will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? These people kept thinking, well, we can do whatever we want. We can live our lives however we want. We can break whatever commandments we want. As long as we keep offering these animals as sacrifices, God will forgive us. So he starts saying in these later books in the Old Testament, look, I don't care about your animal sacrifices. So he says, will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God, this is what I want instead of the, your animal sacrifices, thanksgiving from your hearts and pay thy vows unto the most high and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked God saith, what is thou to do to declare my statutes that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, they hate the gospel. They hate it with a passion. They hate the gospel. They don't want to hear about the gospel, and they don't want other people to preach or teach about the gospel. They don't like people to even pray to God. And casteth my words behind you. When you saw a thief, then you, you consented with him. You became a thief like him. And you've been partaker with adulterers. That you gave your mouth to evil and your tongue frameth deceit. You sit and speak against your own brother. You slanderous your own mother's son. These things you have done and I kept silence. That you thought that I was altogether such a one as myself. Just because God doesn't strike you dead immediately with lightning. Doesn't mean he, he doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean that, you know. That he somehow is overlooking your sin or that he doesn't care whether you sin or that he's allowing you to sin or that there'll be no punishment coming upon upon you. Uh, no, God doesn't do it. It usually doesn't act right away. He says, so don't think that, you know, be, just because I kept silence for, for during the time that you were on the earth, that, you know, that uh, thou thoughtest that I was altogether such a one as thyself. I will reprove thee, Jesus Christ says here, and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this, ye that forget God, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. So once again, we get Jesus here. He's always talking about beating people. He's always talking about casting fire down from heaven to consume them. He's always talking all these violent things, cutting off their heads. Uh, here he's talking about tearing them to pieces. 
This is all over the scriptures. They don't teach the popular the popular imagination, the popular philosophy today in today's world. Oh, Jesus, so loving. Oh, he's tolerant of your sins. Oh, he'll allow anybody to do everything because he's just love, love, love. This is what the scripture says, right? We, we have to look at reality. We have to look at what the true God is, what the God's true characteristics are. And here he's saying, just because I keep silent, don't think I'm not going to come reprove you and tear you into pieces, right? Make it very, very clear. That's the real God. That's the real Jesus Christ. That's the Jesus Christ of whom I am a witness. I'm not a witness of the popular make-believe Jesus who doesn't exist. I'm a witness of the Jesus Christ, the God and Jesus Christ of the Bible, the God and Jesus Christ of the Doctrine and Covenants, the God and Jesus Christ of truth and reality. Of him I bear witness. Of him I testify. Okay, let's look now at 51, 1 through 19. Have uh, Now, this is David's uh, forgiveness prayer. He had just uh, uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba. Uh, remember, he should have been out with his army, like other kings do. But if he had been in, with his army, he would never have seen naked Bathsheba taking a bath outside the palace, right? But because he's not with his man, not being a, a faithful king at this time, not being faithful in the duty and the calling in which God has called him, He's up there walking on this roof, sees naked Bathsheba, uh, sends the soldiers down to get her, ends up getting her pregnant while her husband's off fighting in the war. And so here he's praying for forgiveness. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy, thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. And, and that's one of the dangers of, of sinning, right? I mean, and, and a lot of, with, with a lot of sins, God will forgive you, right? But you have to always live with those sins. You will always have a personal memory of those sins, of committing that iniquity, of, of rebelling against God. And so here he's saying, my sin is ever before me. I will always remember this sin in which I committed adultery with Bathsheba and then made it even worse and lost my salvation by having Uriah killed off, right, in, in the battle. So I will always remember these sins. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. 
deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, because he committed blood murder by murdering Uriah. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not animal sacrifice, else I would give it to you. I'm the king. I've got a lot of money. I could give you all the animals you want. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are what? A broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem, thy holy city. Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Great the humble prayer here, pleading for forgiveness from both adultery and from murder. Uh, he was very repentant throughout the book of the Psalms and the Psalms that he wrote. And ultimately, God declared to him, he would not leave his soul in hell or spirit prison, but that the day would come in which he would be resurrected and receive a degree of glory in the telestial kingdom. Shut out eternally from God's presence. Shut out eternally from the presence of Jesus Christ. But he will have the Holy Ghost and he will have angels attend him. And he's been delivered from hell. Okay, so let's now move to, uh, we'll look at 52. We'll do what we've done in the last couple of lessons, and we'll look at a couple of things along the way too, because, we're again, we're trying to jam-pack the whole Old Testament in one year. It's very difficult to, to do that. Uh, you know, Psalm 52, and we'll look at 6 through 7. The righteous also shall see and fear and shall laugh at him, the wicked. We talked about this last week, right? While you have the great uh, spacious building and Lehi's, uh, in Nephi's vision, right, uh, uh, we've got, uh, you know, the, the wicked people are laughing at those who are keeping God's commandments, holding on to the iron rod back to God's presence. In the scriptures, every time it says that God laughs, he's laughing at the wicked. And so here also, when we looked at one of the verses last week, and so here also, not only is God laughing at the wicked, but the righteous are laughing at the wicked as well. The righteous so also so shall also see and fear and shall laugh at him. Lo, this is the man that made not God his strength. He made himself his strength, but trusted in the abundance of his riches and strengthened himself in his wickedness. But I, the writer of Psalms is saying, am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. I'd rather be a green olive tree in the temple of God than be with the, the with the wicked and be uh, you know consenting and stuff with the wicked as they said earlier. Let's look at fifty four verse two. Hear my prayer, O God! Give ear to the words of my mouth. For those of you who have been to the temple, that will stand right out to you. That's right here in Psalm 54. Hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth, the true order of prayer. Okay, let's move on now to 62, 5 through 8. So Psalm 62, 5 through 8. 
My soul, wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Remember last week, that seemed to be one of the major themes they kept talking about, waiting upon the Lord patiently. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And God is my salvation and my glory. The rock of my strength and my refuge is in God. Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out ye heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. Surely men of low degree are vanity, and men of high degree are a lie. To be laid in the balance, they are altogether lighter than vanity. Uh, let's look at uh, verse 10. Trust not in oppression, and become not vain in robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Some of the righteous may become rich. They may become very rich. Uh, they're, they're very wealthy. You have to make sure that it talks about here, don't become vain and don't uh, uh, set your heart upon the riches. Keep your mind and upon that those heavenly riches. Keep your mind and heart upon the Lord thy God. 12. Also unto thee, O Lord, belongeth mercy. For thou renderest to every man according to his work, evil for evil, good for good. No neutrality, no neutrality. We continue to see that throughout all scriptures. There's no neutrality. A lot of people today think there's neutrality. They think, well, it's okay. I just won't keep the commandments. I'm okay if I don't get blessed. But what they don't realize, they will be cursed. They will be punished. They will be beaten with many beatings. They will be have. They will be torn into pieces, as Jesus Christ said here. Right? They'll have their heads cut off. They'll have all these violent things happen that the scriptures continue to talk about. There's no neutrality. Either you keep God's commandments, accept them into your life and follow him and be blessed with joy, happiness, peace, eternal life, uh, mansions, uh, uh, all thrones, kingdoms, principalities, dominions, be above the angels and all these things, or try to stay neutral in your mind, but you're not staying in, be, uh, neutral in the minds of God and therefore you shall receive death. Death spiritually, eternal punishment, eternal uh, casting out from the presence of God, weeping, wailing, gnashing of teeth, misery, and all kinds of stuff. Okay, so now let's look at 63, uh, 1 through 4. O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. When you wake up early in the morning, right? First thing you should do is seek God. Kneel down on your knees, pray to him. Ideally, you would want to read at least a few verses of scriptures or something of that nature. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. To see thy power and thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee. Thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands uh, in thy name. So again, you lift up your hands uh, to God. You begin uh, with the kind of the, the verses we see over and over again. Uh, in 61, just on the other side, hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. You know, it doesn't have to be exactly the words that we've heard elsewhere, but we've seen those, those very words and we see things similar to that all through the Psalms. That's how you pray to God. You lift up your arms to God and you begin by saying, 
words such as on this page here, hear my cry, O God, attend my prayer. And the other verses we heard uh, earlier here in uh, 54, verse 2, hear my prayer, O God, give ear to the words of my mouth. You see these very similar wording, uh, wording uh, opening uh, prayers all through the Psalms. That's three, and then uh, let's see. My so, uh, yeah, okay. So that goes through four there, and then we'll look at verse eight of sixty-three. My soul followeth hard after thee; thy right hand upholdeth me. So a lot of this about God's right hand. That of course also temple related, and they mention it over and over again here in the Psalms. Let's look now at 65, verse 4 through 7. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of the holy temple. Now, God's seeking for the people, right? He's always there, always knocking at your door, open up, and I'll come in and eat dinner with you. So he chooses. Blessed are people, for they God's chosen them. He's caused them to approach unto him. They just need to go and do it, that they may dwell in his courts and be satisfied in his holy temple in the celestial kingdom. And verse 7, Which stilleth the noise of the seas, the noise of their waves, the tumult of the people, messianic prophecy. Jesus Christ is on the Sea of Galilee with his disciples. They got big waves going on. They've got the uh, noisy winds. Uh, they wake Jesus up. You know, don't you care? We're going to die here. He stands up. He rebukes the seas, rebukes the wind, comes to calm the still, just in fulfillment here of uh, Psalm 65. Verse 7. All right, uh, Psalm 66, 10 through 12. For thou, O God, has proved us. Right? Remember, this this earth life is, is a test to prove, as Abraham 3 uh, talks about, right? Abraham 3, that God is proving us, right? Not proving to himself, right? He's not proving to himself whether we're going to keep his commandments or not. He already knows. <laughs> he knows us better than we know ourselves. He dwelt with, he's a God. He knows all things. He's on, he, he, he had us live in his presence for a very long period of time. He knows us better than we know ourselves. Of course he knows which of us are going to keep his commandments and which of us are not going to obey. Well, he's not proven to himself. He's not like sitting up there thinking, gee, I wonder if Johnny's going to, still this candy bar or not. He already knows if Johnny's placed in a situation in which Johnny at that particular age and in that particular circumstance, if he thought he wasn't going to get caught, you know, that he would steal the candy bar, right? He knows that, right? Is that not a surprise to God that Johnny stole that candy bar, right? <laughs> God knows, right? So the whole idea here of the earth life is we prove to ourselves that we either kept his commandments and deserve eternal life in his presence, or we rejected him and deserve weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. So to be a, a fair God, you know, a just God, he has to have that test so that we prove to ourselves 
what how we do how we did did we keep his commandments or not so once again here the language god has proved us right <laughs> he didn't prove us to himself he already knew but he proved to us that they thou has tried us yeah he's going to give us tests so that we can try ourselves and prove to ourselves as silver is tried that brought us to the net Thou latest affliction upon our loins. Thou hast caused man to ride over our heads. We went through fire and through water, but thou broughtest us out into a wealthy place, into the heavenly kingdom, the wealthy place. Okay, now look at 68 verse 4. Sing unto God, sing praises to his name. Extol him that rideth upon the heavens by his name, Yahweh, they spell the J-A-H here in, in King James, and rejoice before him. So once again, you get this, that God is riding through the heavens, riding, riding, not flying, <laughs> definitely not, not flying through the heavens, like if he's uh, Superman or something, flying through the clouds of heaven and so forth, right? No, or, not one of these prophets have ever, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, to the Doctrine and Covenants, uh, Book of Mormon, none of the prophets ever talked about Jesus was flying through the through the clouds of heaven, you know, flying around like Superman. Every time they describe it, fire's coming before it. You, know, you got this cloud, right? They have a hard time. They didn't have flying airplanes. They didn't know the word airplane. They didn't know the names of UFO. They didn't know UAP. They didn't know these these things that have become modern day word. They're doing their best to describe this thing, right? So they, they're not saying he's flying through the air like a bird. They have the vocabulary to say he's flying through the heavens like a bird. They, they, they could say that, but no, he's not flying through the clouds and through flying through, through the skies, right? He's riding, right? He's riding upon whatever this thing was that he kept coming down to appear to Moses. Remember that? Moses would see God... Two different ways. Uh, we looked at that in the weeks that we did the, the five books of Moses, right? You had this object coming down from heaven in which Jesus would get out, talk to Moses face-to-face -face at the, the tent of the tabernacle. Other times he would appear as a vision, right? As some sort of uh, image being projected. Uh, some would call it maybe a hologram or something like that. He's projected as an image in front of the tabernacle, right? Other times his bodily presence coming down in this whatever object this is right uh, uh when elijah went up to heaven the chariot of fire right it wasn't a a, a horses <laughs> it definitely didn't have it definitely did not have horses flying flying with this chariot of elijah hey there goes elijah with some flying horses up into the sky right but they described it as a chariot, a chariot with horses because they didn't know how else to describe what they saw him get on some sort of ship and fly up like like normal, right? You know, and they, even our concepts of UFOs, UAPs, that still might be very primitive ways to even describe what what they've got. They probably, you know, they might have something far more technologically advanced than that. But whatever physical object it is, right? They're having a hard time describing it. But so here we got God, you got God riding. In the heavens, not flying through the heavens, right? So Psalm 68, 4, sing unto God, sing praise his name, extol him that rideth. He's riding on something, guys. Riding, rideth upon the heavens by his name, 
Jehovah and rejoice before him. Okay, 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Right? He doesn't just bless us once in a while, once a year, once every five years, once in our lifetime. Blesses a daily, even giving us the breath we, you know, the air that we breathe daily, right? I mean, he's, you know, causing our heartbeats to beat. He's causing our lungs to breathe. He's keeping us alive second by second. He's blessing us daily. That was 68.19. Now we'll look at 33. 68.33. To him that, here we go again, isn't it? Not to him that flieth through the clouds. <laughs> to him that rideth upon the heavens of heavens. We don't know how to describe this, right? But whatever he's riding on, he's riding. They know the word riding. People ride on horses. You know, they, they ride on chariots. They know the word rideth, right? And they know the word ride. So to him that rides or rideth upon the heavens of heaven, which were of old, lo, he does send out his voice and that of a mighty voice. Okay, so that ends 68. Let's look at 69, verse 9. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. And the reproaches of them that reproached thee are fallen upon me. Messianic prophecy, once again, fulfilled. Uh, Jesus in the, during the last week and the action that led to his arrest was that what? He went into the holy temple. He took all those who were changing money and that were uh, selling sacrifices to people so they could offer sacrifice to God. He overturned all their tables. He drove them out from the temple. He used a whip. He was whipping them. The real, the real God, the real Jesus Christ, not the one of the popular imagination. You hear people talk about, oh, he's so loving. Oh, he just tolerates evil. Oh, he loves this group and that group and this other group. And just, uh, he just love, love, love all the time. Just love, 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 right? Not that. Not that. That's not Jesus. That's not, that's not read the Bible, right? That's, that's not found in the Bible, right? The real Jesus, what did he do the last week of his ministry? Went into the temple, took a whip. He whipped them. He overthrew their tables. He overthrew all their money. He let the, he kicked the animals all around. That led to his arrest, right? Rome said, and the, we have a serious problem here with this guy, right? So when the Jewish the elders bring this guy, they know that this guy was causing mischief in the temple, right? And uh, we need to do, you know, we need to allow, if the Jews want to kill this guy, let's go ahead and let him be killed off, right? Because he's, a, you know, he's a potential huge troublemaker here, right? The real Jesus, the real one, not the loving, weak, pathetic one. Who would want to get, you know, like, you know, I was watching uh, one of these uh, cartoons uh, about Jesus Christ with, with some young children, and they said to me, why, why would anybody want to kill Jesus? Well, the one that's so pathetic in those in those movies didn't exist. The real Jesus, there was just no, oh, this nice poor guy, right? Oh, everybody loves this guy, right? There, you, Jesus purposely lived his life so that, once again, there was no neutrality. 
You either loved him and were willing to die for him, or you hated him and wanted to kill him. There was no alternative. There was no neutrality, right? You either loved him and wanted to and was willing to sacrifice your life, love for him, as the 12 apostles did, as many other saints did, as Stephen did, as Paul did, as all these other great saints of God did, right? Or you want to kill him, which they ultimately, the Jewish nation, turned against Jesus and killed him because of his character. He was a very uh, divisive person. Those who loved God would cling to him and, and love and enjoy this perfect love and harmony with each other. Those who hated the word God and hated the works of God wanted to kill him. That's the true Jesus Christ. And so once again, Messianic prophecy fulfilled that the zeal of God's house hath eaten him up to the point he could not stand it anymore. He could not see these wicked people make take advantage of the poor forcing them to buy from them and charge them outrageous prices in order to sacrifice and make a sacrifice unto God, which he said he hated anyways. He didn't really love those animal sacrifices. He wanted people to sacrifice their hearts to him. But these people were taking advantage of these people. And then so it ate him up to the point that he could not handle it, had to overturn the money changers and whip them, whip them. Just like he said, he's going to come back and whip them, right? And the, you know, those who know his will and don't do it, he says that shall be beaten with many beatings, with many whippings, right? Okay, so here we go. And at the same time, because he's a perfect God, his love is perfect for those who love him and want to keep his commandments, right? No greater love hath this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. So God loves with perfect love. But he also hates with perfect hate. So when you have all these verses of scripture, God hates the wicked. He hates them. He hates them with a perfect hatred. When he says he loves those who come unto him, he loves them with a perfect love, a love that sacrifices themselves, who suffers all kinds of beatings from the Romans, all the beatings of the, of the Jewish people, of being crucified and nailed to a cross because of his great love to those who love him and desire to keep his commandments. That's the true Jesus Christ. That's the Jesus Christ of whom I testify and bear witness to the world. Okay, let's continue on now. We're in uh, 69. Let's look now at uh, 21. They gave me also gall for my meat, and in my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. Remember, he's on the cross. And they came up and gave him vinegar. Now, people don't know how to interpret that. Some think he was trying to help Jesus because he said he was thirsty. Others said they did it in a mocking way, that here he's crying out, saying he's thirsty, and so they mock him with, with vinegar. But uh, anyways, here's the verse here, scripture that prophesied uh, uh, of that uh, uh, here in the 21. Okay, let's look at 26. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded, right? So they persecuted Jesus Christ. Jesus had, God had smitten Jesus. He took his wrath against God the Father, took all his wrath against sin, all his wrath and anger against the wicked. 
and he put that upon Jesus Christ while he was on the cross. That was what Jesus Christ had to suffer. And yet they persecuted us. They, they persecuted him. God, God had, had smitten him, but then they persecuted him. Literally fulfilled once again in the life of Jesus. Look at 33 and 34. For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. Now, most of the world does the opposite, right? Most of the world doesn't hear the poor. They don't pay attention to the poor, right? They don't pay attention to prisoners that are in prisons and jails throughout the world. But God himself singles out these people, right? That he hears the poor and he does not despise his prisoners, right? So great, great verse of scripture here. 34, let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moveth therein. Uh, remember one time where they're praising Jesus Christ and they, you know, the, the Pharisees get all jealous once again. They say, you know, Jesus, stop this. This is this is crazy that you got all these people uh, worshiping you and crying out to you. And he said, let them do so. You know, if, 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 we, if I were to stop them, the very rocks would cry out. Right? So here we get this where, you know, the waters would crying out and the seas and, and everything, everything praise him. All right, uh, verse, uh, uh, Psalm 71, verse 20. All right, let's look at 19 through 20. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Who has done great things, O God, who is like unto thee? No one is like God. Thou which hast showed me great and sore troubles shall quicken me again and shall bring me at resurrection coming, shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth, and I testify that he indeed will bring you up from the depths of the earth in a resurrected form with your spirit once again reuniting with your body to live forever. Those of you who have lost parents, those of you who have lost siblings, those of you who have lost grandparents and so forth, you shall see them rise from the dead. Christ will not allow them to stay in the earth as it says here. He will bring them forth from the depths of the earth in a resurrected form. 73, 23 through 25. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. That was holding me by what? My right hand. <laughs> there it is again, right? Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory through his right hand. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides thee. That's the right attitude to have, the right spirit. And with those kinds of people, God can bless. He will lead them with his right hand, as he says here, into glory, into the celestial kingdom. Okay, let's continue on now to... Uh, Seventy-five, uh, let's see, seventy-five verses six through. So, by the way, finishing up that verse here, it's interesting when some people say, "Oh, it never talks about it never talks about things about the temple in the, in the Bible," and yet it's all over the place. We've already seen multiple things here just in today's lesson that comes directly out of the temple. 
Okay, here, let's look at 75, verse 6 through 7. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. A lot of people think they need to be friends with so-and-so because then they might get promoted, or they need to be friends with their boss so they can be promoted, or they need to be friends with their neighbor so they can be promoted, all these sort of things. That's not true promotion, right? Here we go, verse 7. For But God is the judge. He putteth down one and setteth up another. He's the one that truly gives promotion. He'll put somebody down and put you in their place, right? Right here in verse 7. Uh, Psalm 78, and we'll look here at 9 through 12. And here he goes. He's going to reprimand Ephraim. We've looked before how Ephraim was the wickedest out of the 12 uh, tribes. That's been clear all the way through the Old Testament here. Here he's going to condemn Ephraim. The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. They were not faithful. They were not valiant to God. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law. They wanted to go worship false gods, false idols. They didn't want to worship the true God. And forgot his works and his wonders that he had showed them in bringing them out of Egypt. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan. And it goes on how he divided the seas and they walked over on dry ground and so forth. 21 through 22. Therefore the Lord heard this and was angry. So a fire was kindled against Jacob, and anger also came up against Israel, because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation, which is the first requirement, the first, very, the very first uh, uh, thing or principle of the gospel is what? Faith and trust in the Lord God. That's the very first one. If you don't do that, you know, you, you got to just feel sorry for people who can't do that, right? God says, you know, they believed not in God and did not trust in his salvation, did not exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The very first principle of the gospel, therefore, he was what? Says, angry, angry again, not loving, loving. Oh, I love the people who hate me. Oh, I love the people who don't keep my commandments. Oh, I just love, 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 love. All the modern false philosophy you hear about Jesus Christ in today's world, right? And that is not Jesus Christ. He says he was angry against them and did what? Kindled a fire against them. Once again, burning. He's burning them in the fire, right? His anger came up against Israel. Angry and fire. Perfect anger. Perfect fire. Because they did not believe in God. They did not exercise faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The very first, the first principle of the gospel. Okay, so let's go now to uh, 34 through 39. When he slew them, then they sought him, right? Why does God allow wars to take place? Because there's some thing about human nature that when they're being killed off, they turn to him. So he allows them to be killed so that then they'll seek him. And then they returned and inquired early after God. Now watch, that was coming up here. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. But was it sincere? No. Does God know 
that it's not sincere? Yes. God who knows all things knows it's not sincere repentance. They're begging God to help because they're being killed in a war. 36. Nevertheless, they did flatter him with their mouth. He knows that the people are just flattering with their mouth. Their heart is far from him. And they lied unto him with their tongues. He knows they're lying to him. They just need him to help save them in the war. For their heart was not right with him, neither were they steadfast in his covenant. But he, nevertheless, watch this, a perfect God of love. Here we get the perfect God of love. But he, being full of compassion, forgave their iniquity and destroyed them not. Yea, many a time he turned his anger away, and he did not stir up all his wrath. Got it? Powerful here, right? He said, look, I know when you pray to me, you're not sincere. I know you're praying to me because you're in a war and you're dying and you're scared you're going to die. So you're praying to me and you're flattering me how great I am and how I can deliver you, but your heart's far from me and you don't really want to keep my commandments. You don't really want to come after me. But all I'm asking is that. That's all I want. <laughs> even if you're not sincere, even if you're just flattering me with your lips, I just want you to try to, to at least acknowledge me. If you acknowledge me and just pray to me, I will turn my anger away from you, right? That's all he says. I know you're lying. He says, I know you're lying to me, but I will yet, just for the act of doing so, I will turn my anger away from you and not destroy you. <laughs> How can he be even more, any more fair than that, right? 39, for he remembered that they were but flesh. This, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So God perfectly understands the flesh is weak. It's hard for people to keep his commands. And when that, it's like the wind that passeth away and does not come again. Okay, so let's look now at um, 55 through 72. He cast out the heathen before them when they came into the land of Israel, right? And divided them an inheritance by line and made the tribes of Israel to dwell in their tents. Yet they tempted and provoked the Most High God and did not keep his testimonies, his the commandments, but turned back and dealt unfaithfully like their fathers. They were turned aside like a deceitful bull, for they provoked him to anger with their high places, worshiping false gods, and moved him to jealousy with their graven images. When God heard this, he was angry, perfect anger, not only just loving and tolerant of everybody. And greatly abhorred Israel. He hated them, hated them, perfect hatred, perfect anger, perfect hatred. Not all he loves all the people, loves all the groups. He says here, so that he forsook the tabernacle of Shiloh. That was before they had the temple. He forsook it. The tent which he placed among men. And delivered a strength into captivity and his glory into the enemy's hand. He gave his people over also unto the sword. And was what? Wroth, angry with his inheritance. The fire consumed their young men. And their maidens were not given to marriage. Because their men were dying off in war. Their priests even fell by the sword, and their widows made no lamentation. 
Then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. And he smote his enemies in the inner parts. <laughs> we, we'd say in today's uh, language, he kicked their butts, right? He smote his enemies in their hinder parts. He kicked their butts. He put them to a perpetual reproach. Moreover, he refused the tabernacle of Joseph and chose not the tribe of Ephraim. He rejected the tribe of Ephraim, but chose the tribe of Judah, the Mount Zion, which he loved. And he built his sanctuary like high palaces, like the earth, which he has established forever. He chose David also a servant and took him from the sheepfolds to be the king of Israel. From following sheep great with young, he brought him to feed Jacob his people and Israel his inheritance. So he fed them according to the integrity of his heart and guided them by the skillfulness of his hands. Okay, so that's 78. Let's look now at 82. Here we get a couple of great things coming up. Psalm 82, 1 through 6. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the Elohim, plural, gods, right? So once again, this plurality of gods of which he is the head god over all other gods. Uh, 6. I have said, ye are gods. And all of you children of the Most High, because we're all spiritual children of God, we can become gods. Taught right here in the Old Testament. They say, oh, we never heard of such a doctrine. Oh, such a doctrine cannot possibly be true. Oh, the Bible doesn't teach such a thing. <laughs> the Bible doesn't teach that unless you're reading the Bible, right? If you read the Bible, it teaches it over and over again. Jesus Christ will use that verse of scripture in the New Testament. He calls them, ye are gods, he says, right? Paul says that Jesus Christ inherited all things with his father, that God, the father made Jesus a joint heir with him of all things. Then Paul also said that all mankind can become joint heirs with Jesus Christ. So if we inherit all things, if Jesus is God and God the Father is God and we inherit all things along with God the Son and God the Father, what does that make us? Well, the Bible says, ye are gods, right? Right here, Psalm 82, 6. Ye are gods. If you're Joint heirs with Jesus Christ of all things the Father hath. If you possess all things, all thrones, all kingdoms, all principalities, ye are gods. 84, 10 through 12. For a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I'd rather spend one day in your courts, oh God, than a thousand here on the earth. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the temple or house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from them that walketh uprightly. He has promised them all things. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man that trusteth in thee. 85, 9 through 13. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, 
that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Here we go. You guys ready? Truth shall spring out of the earth and righteousness shall look down from heaven. What's he talking about there? Of course, he's talking about the coming forth of the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, the book of scripture that literally did spring out of the earth, just like it says here, spring out of the earth. It was buried uh, for 1,400 years underground. It came forth to bear testimony and witness of Jesus Christ. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him. He shall set us in the way of his steps. Okay, now 86, uh, verses 6 through 13. Another prayer of David. Look how he starts it off here. Give ear, O Lord, unto my prayer. Attend to the voice of my supplications. And the day of my trouble I will call upon thee, for thou wilt answer me. Among the gods, the Elohim, the gods, plural. Oh, we only believe in one God. Well, how come the Bible continues to say over and over again, gods, plural, gods, plural, gods, plural, gods, plural, gods, plural. We've seen that many, many times. <laughs> We've lost track how many times it says that. Among the gods, there is none like thee, O Lord, O Yahweh here. right? Neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wonder, wonderful things. You are God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. For great is thy mercy toward me. And thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. He's been redeemed from spirit prison. He will go out of the lowest hell into the celestial kingdom. And that's how he raises this. He's, and he's praising God for that mercy. He knows God could leave him in spirit prison forever if he wanted. But out of God's great mercy, he will rescue and let them out of the lowest hell hell and uh, now of course for us we have the choice right we don't want we don't need to uh, beg god and thank him for mercy for getting us out of the lowest hell right we want to thank god and and for his mercy of bringing us into the highest heaven right and complete opposite here to to david and so once again for those of you who are not yet members of god's covenant people, not yet members of God's church and kingdom upon the earth, we invite you in the name of Jesus Christ to come forward, to believe the gospel, to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to trust in him so that he won't hate you and his anger will not be against you, as it says here. We invite you to repent of your sins as he has continued to teach that he will forgive you of those sins. He will welcome you into the into under his loving care into his the arms of his love through baptism by those who hold the priesthood and authority of God you would then be given the gift of the holy ghost to be a constant helper that's another name for the holy ghost helper 
will be your constant helper to lead you in truth, in righteousness, to help you through your daily life. You will be on that road that leads back to our Heavenly Father's great riches, his great treasures in the heavens. For those of you not yet members of the church, just click on that link in that description of this video. Missionaries will contact you and help you on that path that leads back to your Father's presence. For those of you fond of inactivity in the church, we invite you to ponder, to remember all the great blessings you had when you were in full member of the church in full activity. We invite you to come back so you can once again have that spirit in your lives so that you can be part of the community of God, the saints of God. Know that you're on that walk that back to back to your Father's presence. Of our great God of heaven and earth, I bear testimony that he lives. He is our heavenly Father. We are his spiritual children. He will exalt us to become gods as he has promised throughout the scriptures as we obey him and exercise trust and faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Of him I testify, and of his son I testify, and of these great principles this day that we studied here. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we also further would invite God once again to bless all of you with the joy, with the happiness, and the success in life that you desire. We ask God to pour out a blessing upon your heads that you shall have no want, that he will meet your daily needs, meet, uh, feed you, that you will have sufficient food for the proper energy that you need and the proper health that you need to carry out your mission here upon the earth. We ask God to bless you with safe shelter overhead, that you will have a place to sleep and lay your head down, or the angels of God will watch over and protect you during the nighttime. He loves you as you do your best to serve him, to come unto him. Know that he is a God of love, that he loves you with all his heart. He has no but greater joy than to see that his children walk in the paths of holiness and righteousness. And for those, he will give you everything that you could possibly ever desire. Not necessarily here during the time you're on the earth. But when you die and go to heaven, all things that he hath, he will greatly and lovingly and very happily give to you. Of him we rejoice. In him we thank for his mercy and his loving kindness towards us, his children. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.